Put one in your hand. Looks like everybody's covered. Let's take a look at this tonight, okay? Before we do that, let me just pray. Father, I thank you that you use um, all of me, God. God, all the things of the world that I've been involved in throughout the day in the past week. And Lord, I'm asking you right now to speak through my vocal cord. Think through my mind, Lord. All of me. All of me that comes forth, Lord, will come from the throne room of God. All of me that you use, Lord, my physical will be words spoken in season. Now, right now, Father, by your authority that you've given us, I bind Satan and I bind the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness and wicked spirits in high places. I render them harmless and ineffective against us. And I loose ears to hear what you're going to say to the church tonight. I bind the spirit of religion from operating right now in Jesus' name. Lord, and I loose the freedom of God, the freedom that you died for, the blood that was shed on Calvary to go forth today through this word. Let it go and, and do what it's planned and purposed to do. Touch our hearts, change us, shape us, and mold us in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. I want to talk a little bit about the spirit of religion. This kind of goes with um, what we've been talking about. There's, <clears throat> there's, a great, there's a great shaking going on in the churches today, and I want you to be aware of it. I want you to understand what's taken place. I want you to have a greater understanding of what's taken place. There are some people that are getting discontented with church as usual. But the hierarchies in the churches don't like that. So I want to talk a little bit about the spirit of religion, what it does, how it works. You know, this is a deceptive force that has stopped the progress of the church through many ages. Many ages. Not just this age, but many ages. Religion is not a bad thing when we adhere to the world, the word's literal meaning, and it means to consider divine things. So, you know, when you look at religion itself, it's not really a, a bad thing. But the word religion has three meanings in the word of God. Let me just go over with them. If you've got some notes, you may want to write these down. But I want us to take a look at this. The word religion has three meanings. Say three meanings. When we look at the word of God, one, it's an outward religious act, such as praying, or going to church. It's an outward religious act, such as praying or going to church. You know, that, that, that's what we do. It's just some things that we do. The other thing is it's the feeling of absolute dependence. A religion is an absolute dependence upon something, and we believe that it's Jesus Christ. The third thing is it's an observance of moral law as a divine institution. Now, if you're with me in the, in the book of James, let's look at chapter 1, James chapter 1. And I want us to look at some things, because James himself says this in verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Hmm. Maybe I could stop right there and just let the Holy Spirit do his work, amen? Verse 27. Religion that our God, God our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and listen, to keep oneself polluted from the world. Wow, from being polluted. Thanks. From being polluted from the world. I mean, wow. That's, that's, that's. That's religion in and of itself. 
How many of you know that religion is linked with worship? When you look at it in the Greek, it, it, means, it means worship. It, 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 it's linked with worship. And, and how many of you realize that pure religion, pure religion is powerful? It's powerful. I mean, when we look at that and, and we understand it. However, religion is also defined as an organized system of doctrine with an approved pattern of behavior. Listen to this. Behavior has to be determined of a proper way to worship. There are some people that won't jump up and down in church. There are some people who won't clap their hands in church because that's not the proper way to worship. That's the spirit of religion. Religion itself, the religion that we want to be involved in, is where we move into the pure and faultless way of worship. We can move into this pure and faultless religion, but if we go too far and it becomes ritualistic, Are you with me? We're not exempt from that, church. We're not exempt from it at all. So you have to understand and realize what we're up against. First of all, demons of doctrine, according to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Put that up. 1 Timothy chapter 4 in the King James Version. The demons of doctrine rob individuals of their freedom to worship a holy God in the purity of instituting rules for their worship. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 in the King James Version. Can you put that up, please? I want us to look at this because we're at this time. We are at this time in Scripture. How many of you know demons hate Revelation? They don't like it. They hate revelation. Religious spirits just plain deny having change. Nope, nope, we don't want to change. Nope, we don't, they're doing this different. Why are they doing it that this way? Why are they doing it that way? Let's read this together. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving or seducing spirits and doctrine of devils. Is that where we're in now? We need to take a look at it. Because there's some people that are departing from the faith. Do you know anybody that's departing from the faith? They used to go to church, or now they used to have a relationship with God, and now they don't even want to assemble together. When you invite them to church, they they, they act like you've got a disease. Right? That's them. Seducing spirits. Guys, it's prevalent against us. We have a weakness there, being seduced by spirits. Come on. And it says, doctrines of devils, doctrines of demons. See, it's, it's there to rob you from having a pure time and worship with God. You know, when we were worshiping the Lord this, this afternoon here, and, and, and I kept getting... An all-access pass. All-access pass. The Lord says, you have an all-access pass. 
See, a lot of times people come in and they don't understand the righteousness of God. We can move into the holy of holies because of what Jesus did for us. You are no more righteous today than you were the first time you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not just because you went to church and you feel better, you prayed seven times, or you read 14 bazillion chapters. Come on, somebody. When we enter in, we have an all-access pass to get into the throne room of God. See, but some of us choose not to go because we allow something here to hold us. We allow a seducing spirit. We allow a demon of doctrine or a doctrine of devils to stop us from going into the throne room of God. The throne room of God, Virginia's not the only one that can go to the throne room of God. Come on, somebody. Todd Bentley's not the only one that can go to the throne room of God. Victoria's not the only one. Maurice is not the only one that can go to the throne room of God. You have an all-access pass to get to the throne room of God. And you've got to start seeing yourself, I'm going. Instead of being in the outer court, the inner court, enter into the holy of holies. Well, you know, the, the priests, they were pure when they entered the holy of holies because they had, you know, tie a rope around them with bells on it and they entered in. If they were dead, they'd drag them out. That was then. This is now. The veil is ripped. You've got access. Come on, somebody. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we've got access to the throne room of God. It's not just send Moses up and let Moses find out what's going on. And he comes back glowing with the glory of God. Put a bag on your head, man. You just The light's just flowing. He's not the only one that has the access to God. You have the access to the throne room. Come on. So I want to look at something real quick. I, I, just, I just bear with me. Because our minds process different thoughts that are supposed to, listen, aid the Spirit of God to produce change in the earth. Let me say that again. Our mind is supposed to process thoughts, okay? To aid the Spirit of God to bring changes in the earth realm. Thomas Edison had a mind that changed the earthly realm. Come on. Abraham Lincoln had a mind that changed the earthly realm. Einstein had a mind that changed the earthly realm. You can go back through and you can see John Wesley had a mind that changed the earthly realm. Changed the way we looked at at the word of God and understanding that we were saved by grace. And it wasn't a religion of works. So we have to understand that We have to control our mind, don't we? Well, you know what the Bible says about the mind? The Bible says that it's enmity with God. In other words, it don't like God. (laughs) My mind uh, doesn't want to do the things that I'm supposed to do. It hates God. It's hostile. It has an opposition to the things of God. So when the things of God come, your mind's going to say, wait a minute, 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 this doesn't compute. It's hostile towards the things of God. Religious spirits try to block strategic thinking. It tries to block that. Especially when you're beginning to step into the future. 
One of the functions of the spirit of religion is to preserve the tradition of the elders. Turn with me to Mark chapter 7. And let's just take a look at this preservation of the tradition of elders. We know and we've taught before that it, it wants to maintain the status quo. It works really hard to maintain the status quo. Mark, let's look at chapter 7. The spirit of religion allows what God said in the past to keep us from hearing what God's saying in the future or saying right now. The spirit of religion will do that. Oh, you know, wasn't that good? Wasn't that great? I had, I had somebody that I visited with, um, and they kept talking about the glory days, and they kept talking about the specific move of God. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival in California, whatever. I mean, what do we talk about? A lot of times I get around in circles and people talk about the Brownsville Revival or what was Pensacola, Florida. Wasn't, that's great. I'm not discounting that, but God's not doing that now. Are you with me? And we can stay back there and, and we can go to all these different places and, and try to get the revival fire. And I know this one guy that he went to this place and tried to get the revival fire and went to this place and tried to get the revival fire and went to this place and tried to get the revival fire. When the revival fire didn't come from the place, it came from the Word. It came from a sovereign move from God. It came from people seeking Him and praying and fasting and crying out to Him. But see, a, a religious spirit wants to keep you in the past. A religious spirit wants to keep you in what's familiar. It doesn't want to move in unfamiliar territories. Mark chapter 7, and I hope that... When, Matthew 16, I hope you guys had an opportunity to read that because it goes along with Mark chapter 7. As seeing the spirit of religion operate in the Bible. I can't give you a scripture that says this is the spirit of religion, but you can see it. And Jesus... Jesus came against it time and time again. From the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law, he continued to come against that religious spirit. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come to Jerusalem gathered around Jesus. And they saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean. <gasps> oh, my word. That is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? Hey, they know the word. You know the word. They're supposed to live according to this tradition. They just ate without washing their hands. <gasps> That's what was taking place. And they were asking Jesus this. Jesus said, he basically, he says, he replied, Isaiah was right when you prophesied about you hypocrites. It is, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by men. Wow. I'm telling you, the church is full of rules that are taught by men. Verse 9. 
And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is Corban, that is the gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father and his mother, thus nullifying the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, and you do many things like that. Colossians chapter 2. Is it okay if we just get into this? Just follow me along here. Colossians chapter 2. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Chapter 2. I want us to look at uh, verse 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Gloria, please. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, or philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. You are going to begin to see a time where the church itself is going to remove Christ out. It's already happening. Mary is going to become a deity, just like Christ. There is traditions of men. Look, uh, if, if you're Catholic and you're in here, I want you to get saved. Because a lot of people go through and have traditions of men and they think they're saved and they're not. Now, there are some great, wonderful Catholic people. But a tradition where you do Hail Marys or rosary beads or whatever that is, it's a tradition of men. It's not in the Word. Can I get an amen on that? Or maybe you don't know it's not in the Word. Maybe you need to read the Word so you know that it's not in the Word. So you can say, hey, wait a minute, you know, that, that, give, me, give, me, give me chapter and verse for that one, you know, where I'm supposed to rub these rosary beads or whatever. But you begin to see some things. I want to I get on your notes. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. You begin to see some things. I want us to look at a corporate spirit of religion, and I want you to have a real clear understanding of what a corporate spirit of religion does and how it operates. I've talked with you before about Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, but I want to break this down to you tonight. Is that all right? Let's take a look at this. Let's break this down. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. It says, He will speak against the Most High and oppress His saints and try to change the set times and laws. The saints will be handed over to Him for a time, times, and half a time. Basically, 10 plus 20 I mean, uh, one plus two plus a half is three and a half. That's what he's talking about for basically three and a half years. When you begin to look at this and you begin to understand what's taking place here in, in the book of Daniel, you see that, that he's really talking about um, in the spirit he had this vision and it passed through his mind and he went through some things and he's really talking about um, the fourth beast. And the kings rise up. There's ten kings and, and the ten horns, and, and they rise up. And there's, there's, there's one king that's going to raise up, and he's going to take over three other kings. And that is an antichrist spirit. That is, that is an, uh, beginning to usher in the antichrist spirit. But here's what he's saying that this spirit will do. Are you with me? In verse 7, he says, or verse 25, he says he will speak against the Most High. That's number one. This, the enemy's strategy 
on your notes is that to slander God's character and intent. He's going to rise up against the Most High. Now, that's happened before. Lucifer at the time did that. He rose up against the Most High. But that's what's going to happen. He's going to, he's going to slander God's character and his intent. He did that in Genesis when he said, did he really say that you shouldn't eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? He began to bring doubt. It was actually going against God's character. Maybe God's a liar. Maybe he doesn't really want you to know what's going on. Let's look at the second thing. The second thing is to oppress God's people through fear and discouragement. Fear and discouragement. And you see that. And he oppresses his saints. Oppression. Oppresses his saints. When you look at this word in the Greek, we've talked about it before. I mean, in the Hebrew, it, it's, it's the word belah. Say belah. I hope that's the correct pronunciation of it. But what that means is a wearing out of the mind. Ow. How many of you get wore out in the mind mentally? I watch kids do it to their parents all the time. They wear them out mentally. Mommy, I want you can go into you can go into a grocery store and you can watch kids wear their mothers down. Right? It's a wearing out, it's a wearing out, it's a wearing out. That, that's what that word means. It means a wearing out of the mind. And, and, and we, if we get worn out, we get tired. Oh, we've been through a battle, preacher. I, we've been through the battle. I mean, we've just been through it. It's just been really tough, and I'm just going to relax. No, it's not time to relax. That battle's over, let's go get another one. Amen? Go back, get you some drink of water, and let's grab your, grab your sword, and let's go back into the battle. It does, it does not end until Jesus comes back. Are you with me? Or you go be with him. But the enemy tries to wear you out and wear you out and wear you out and wear you out in your thought process. I know some people that have just thought about it all day long. They haven't worked real hard. They've just thought about it. And I mean, they get home and they're like wore out physically to a frazzle. You know why? Because their mind has just been churning all day long on this subject or idea or thought. And it's been worn out. It's just, it just wears them down. So we can see that, see? If, in verse 25, he says, He will speak to the Most High and he will oppress his saints. Now look at number three. He will try to change the set times. The corporate spirit of religion tries to delay the emergence of new times and seasons that God has for his kingdom's advancement. He tries to delay it. That word delay. Tries to delay it. And I can't let this come forth. I can't let the word of faith come forth. I can't let gifts and healings come forth. I can't let the, the, the charismatic movement re renewal come forth. I can't let this come forth. All these different things, speaking in tongues, I can't let that come forth. He's always tried to pull it back, always tried to hold it back because he can't let it come forth. The apostolic prophetic don't want it to come forth. Don't want these things to come forth because the spirit of religion wants to maintain the status quo because he loses his power base. Specifically speaking to denominational people. There's a lot of people in denominations, big, huge. I'm talking about fat denominations. No offense to anybody in here. I'm talking about excess 
They're no longer pastors any longer. They're now superintendents of districts and everything else that goes on. And when the spirit of religion begins to challenge that, don't you think they're concerned about their retirement? Oh, yeah. What about my position? What happens if my people decide to do something else? I'll lose my position. I might lose my retirement. Forget about the kingdom of God. If that's what God wants to do and shake some stuff up, so be it. Let him do it. Amen. But that spirit of religion wants to maintain the status quo. No, you can't allow this. You can't allow that. I was telling a brother in here tonight that, that I said, you know, in 85, contemporary Christian music was cool. It wasn't cool. But now, people got screams and they got contemporary Christian music and everything else. Now, all of a sudden, it's accepted because the power base didn't want it to come forth. The spirit of religion didn't want to have any change. What about the tradition of the elders? Don't you know it was good enough for my grandmama and it was good enough for my mama and it's got to be good enough for me? Really? Where did that come from? It's not in the Word. Well, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Yes, He is. And maybe we haven't even got to what He really is. (laughs) Are you with me? Maybe we haven't even achieved where Jesus really is supposed to be. Maybe we're starting to work our way towards that, and we're getting to it. So we have to understand how this corporate spirit of religion works. It wants to delay that. It wants to pull it back. You know, it doesn't want to come forth. I mean, we know, and you can see in Revelations, I mean, the the, the woman has birth pain. She's ready to give birth. It's time to give birth to the man-child that's coming forth, and the the spirit of religion doesn't want that to come forth. Because it's not a baby, it's a man-child. And the devil's sitting there waiting, and when he comes forth, he's going to grab him by his neck. He's going to find out that he's going to end up being a loser. Amen? And that's how the spirit of religion begins to operate. But let's look at this. Not only does he want to change set times, but also laws. Look at number four. To promote the creeping rise of liberalism, that word goes in there, or disloyalty to God's laws, or ways. We are there, church. If you don't think that the enemy's not, the spirit of religion is involved in trying to keep a power base, now it's going into the homosexual community to get a power base. That's right. And now there are denominations, those big denominations that don't want to lose this power base, that don't want to lose this their the retirement or whatever it may be, don't want to lose for whatever reason. They don't want to lose that power structure they've got. Are now going out and subverting the word of God and beginning to ordain homosexuals, bring them in leadership. Guys, it's a real deal out there. I'm not against homosexuals. I'm for God. They want to change set times and laws. Now, if they're changing laws, and obviously they've got to be in the legal system. Spirit of religion has got to get into the legal system. That's where it's headed. Operating from that. Let's look at, let's look at the next one. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. Number five is to persecute the saints outrightly. To persecute the saints well, you know, this is in the three and a half years of tribulation. His idea hasn't changed. 
He wants to persecute you. He wants to bring you down so you don't even want to go to church. And if you go to church, just, can I just, you know what I want to do? Maybe you've heard this. I want to go to church, but I just kind of want to slip in the back and nobody will notice and everything will be fine. No. Nope. That's how the spirit of religion begins to operate. And you can see this corporately, not just it operate that way individually. But I'm talking specifically corporately when we're looking at Daniel chapter seven, verse twenty five. He wants to change the times, the laws. I think one version says the seasons. Change the seasons. Which season are we in right now? We're in a season where we just love everybody and everything's okay. Hmm. Hmm. So people will kind of do whatever they want to do. I think the Bible says whatever they see right in their own eyes. (laughs) They'll do it. Yeah, what's ever right in their own eyes, it's okay. Feels good, do it, let's do it. Do it till you're satisfied. Think about this. That's what we're up against. But I want us to be able to, I want this to be revealed, okay? You can't go, and when you identify a spirit of religion, you can say, ah, it's a spirit of religion! <laughs> I didn't mean to frighten you, Winona. <laughs> She jumped, cast that thing out. <laughs> Do you understand how it begins to operate? So when different churches pop up, a spirit of religion begins to come in. What are they doing? Why are they there? And you know what happens? You better not go to that church. Arva. You better not go to that church. Why? They do some weird stuff over there. You better, you better know that that's the spirit of religion. You better know that. You better not go down there. They handle snakes. They believe God has earrings and tattoos. That's a cult. <laughs> they don't... If you can't be in here for 10 or 15 minutes and know we love Jesus, something's wrong. You're right. You don't need to be here. Amen? Because of that spirit of religion that begins to come on people. See, and, and, and I, I'm blessed because I, I didn't get into it. Because some of you were indoctrinated with it ever since you were yay high. But I didn't go to church much when I was younger. I visited the parking lot a few times when I was a teenager. <laughs> I went a couple times now, Sheldon. I went on Easter and Christmas. I was operating in that spirit of religion. I'm okay because I went those twice a year. Amen? I want you to take this home and I want you to continue to look at it. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, See how Jesus dealt with the spirit of religion. He wasn't playing patty cake with the Pharisees. I think it's Matthew 23, I think, and he's like, Whoa, woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Woe to you, Sadducees. And it's like, 
it gives me goosebumps when I think about my Lord and Savior and how he was dealing with this spirit of religion. So we don't want to get into that. We get into it sometimes. Okay? But we want to be able to look at that and say, Okay, God, why are we doing what we're doing? And I want to be able to know that it's biblical that we do what we do. When he says to prophesy, we're doing it because the Bible says all can prophesy. Amen? He says to dance and worship, we do it because it's in the Scriptures. Let's dance and worship. Amen? And again, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you run it through the cross. It either deletes it, leaves it the same, or changes it. Okay? Levitical food laws. It's changed. You still don't have to eat pork if you don't want to. But if you want to eat pork, God says what's clean, what I say is clean, is clean. Amen? You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about having certain dishes on certain, I don't know, kosher stuff. You with me? So we begin to look at that and we have to understand what we're operating in. Right? Begin to look at it. Stop taking what the preacher says to be the gospel and start looking in the word and saying, he said that, that's it. I want to read the scriptures before it. I want to read after it. I want to get the full intent of what God is trying to say here. Amen? Because many times we just know that Pastor Elmore said it and Pastor Elmore knows the Word. I found out Pastor Elmore doesn't know the Word. Or the only thing that he knows is what his pastor taught him or some cemetery, I mean seminary, taught him on what they were talking about. Amen? And it's all passed down and we think it's good, it sounds good, it makes sense to us. But it's not because it's a spirit of religion that's operating there. Ooh, come on, somebody. God wants to speak in dreams and visions, and that's going to break down a spirit of religion. He's going to start visiting you. He is visiting you. Start writing it down. Start making a journal of it. Start, start beginning to bring that forth and say, Lord, give me some interpretation to this. Because I've, I've spoke with a couple just recently, the last few weeks. I mean, God has just showed them some things in a dream, and it's just happened. Gave me interpretation and it's happened. God will keep you out of somewhere if you'll ask him for the interpretation of that dream. He'll keep you from stepping in a bunch of mess. Amen? And not being caught up in something. Will you stand to your feet tonight? Say, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Lord, that I will not, I'm not going to, not about to, let the spirit of religion in. It's got to go. In Jesus' name. So now, I'm going to line up my thoughts, my words, my actions with your word. If it's in there, I'm doing it. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him the Lord and praise in the house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have some fun. Amen? We're going to have some fun. I, I, I like the deal. You know, I was in the men's, men's meeting on, on Saturday, and, and we were talking about we're going to call it the kingdom house. We were talking about the kingdom house. And I went back to that James one twenty six and one twenty seven, where it says to take care of, you know, orphans and widows. This is, is biblical. Because that's a scripture that the Lord gave me that said, hey, this is where you can find it in the word and the kingdom house is going to be brought forth for that reason. Amen.
um, just update. Can I update you a few minutes on there? We signed the papers on, on the deal um, this next week. We're right now currently working on a business plan to try to achieve some grants and some stuff. We're just praying and asking the Lord what we need to do with that, how we need to do it in order to transition to it, into it, and the funds to come forth to be able to do that. So anyways, just let people know. Just begin to talk to some people. Keep your ears open at work. I mean, you might be at a company and they might say, you know what, I got a few thousand dollars I got to get rid of. How am I going to do that? You know, and, and, and then you can let them know, hey, we got a kingdom house that we're building now. We're going to refurbish for single women and, uh, and their children. And we'll have the opportunity to be able to do that. Amen. Let's pray tonight as we go home. Anybody got any needs in here? I want to ask you tonight. If you do, I want you to come on up and let us pray for you. We always want to minister to you. We always want to meet your needs is with ministry in that. So, you know, as I pray, I'm asking you just to come on up. Let's, let's just close our eyes a moment. You know, and that's, that can be a spirit of religion too, can't it? Just closing your eyes and bowing your head. But, you know, let's just let God be God. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I'm just asking that any person in here needs to be touched by the, the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you'll strengthen and encourage and you'll, you'll bless them, that you will, Lord God. Just work with them in every situation that they're in. Lord, let us, let us not be ingrained with this religious type thing. There's religion we know we've learned tonight that's good. But Lord, there's some religion we know that we've learned that it is not good. And Father, we want that that is pure. We want that that is faultless, Lord God. We want that that pleases you. Father, I just pray a single blessing over every single person. Bless them, God. Bless them in their homes. Bless them in their families. Bless them wherever they go, whatever they do, Lord God. I just pray blessings upon them tonight in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you for coming tonight.